<clears throat> Coaches, how are you? This is Coach Kevin Furtado, and welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. Welcome to episode 41. Time is flying by. Again, <clears throat> these episodes keep going by, and today we just have another, another great interview. Today, we have Coach Donnie Boswick, the head men's basketball coach at Oklahoma Wesleyan. Coach Boswick's first head coaching position was at Venita High School, where in his second season led the Hornets to the state championship game. After returning to JBU as an assistant coach, Boswick helped guide the Eagles to the 2005 NEI National Championship. In 2007, he took over as the head coach at Oklahoma Wesleyan University, where he led the Eagles to the 2009 NEIA Division II National Championship, winning an NEIA Division II record 39 consecutive games. Boswick then spent six seasons at Southwestern Assemblies of God University, where in 2013, he once again led his Lions to the National Championship game making Boswick the only coach to ever lead programs to championship games as a high school coach, assistant college coach, and as head coach at both the NEI D1 and Division II levels. Boswick received National Coach of the Year honors in 2009, 2010, and 2013. His 146-29 and 29 win-loss record at Oklahoma Wesleyan over his five seasons at the helm makes Oklahoma Wesleyan, one of the most successful programs in the country. He has coached over 12 All-Americans and five NEIA Players of the Year, including the number one and number three all-time three-point shooters in the history of college basketball, Brandon Cole, 527, and Steve Briggs, 498. Boswick has directed basketball camps all over the world, including Alaska, Hawaii, the Himalayas of Bhutan, to the jungles of Africa, and all across the United States. He is sought-after clinician speaker who has spoken at the NCAA Final Four and for Glacier Coaching Clinics. He has worked for both Point Guard College and Northwest Basketball Camps, which are the two largest camps in the United States. This past season, Boswick returned to Oklahoma Wesleyan University and led his team back to the NEI Division II Sweet 16. Boswick considers coaching a ministry and runs his program like a family. Our camps are, are pro to provide excellent high-level basketball skills training, but we also invest valuable time in teaching our campers how to include their faith in their game along with teaching the value of leadership, hard work, and character. Coaches, let's welcome from Oklahoma Wesleyan University, Coach Donnie Boswick. This is Matt Smith from United Basketball Clinics. A highlight of my week is listening to Kevin Furtado's Championship Vision podcast. Kevin has a passion for the game and helping coaches grow in their craft. He interviews some of the best basketball minds in the business, and you are sure to gain insights on how to improve as a coach. I suggest you check out his podcast today. Hey, Donnie. Hey, go and continue on. I apologize. And I always edit this afterwards. Sometimes the Wi-Fi goes off. Yeah. And you were talking about, I think your first, your first job, of course, was sharpening your skills as a great junior high coach. I think, I think that's where you finished, I think. Yeah. Do you want me, like, I, I probably, I'll rattle too much if I'm, if I'm not careful. Um, 
just kind of keep sharing my story or how do you want me to do this? Yeah, keep sharing your story. I mean, it's all about that. I think that's really vitally important for coaches to kind of hear your journey and so forth. Uh, and I apologize sometimes, you know, with a – I love it, man. I, I love hearing – I just enjoy people's stories and, you know, meeting people like you and so forth. Um, but, yeah, tell us about uh, how you can – because right now, now you're at Oklahoma Wesley, and, I, and our audience probably doesn't know that much about it, but how did you get to that, that point where you are now? All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to catch on right where I, I finished off. Uh, I was uh, – my first job was coaching seventh-grade girls basketball. Um, I got the job because uh, – I was substitute, you know, teaching and driving a school bus substitute and get my master's driving back and forth and um, volunteer for my high school uh, coach who had a, was coaching high school boys at prior high school. And um, the girls coach had coached my sister and he's like, hey, uh, we have a seventh grade girls team. They, have, they practice at 630 in the morning. Would you would you coach them for five hundred dollars? And I was like, yeah, I'll take five hundred dollars. And I'm thinking, man, I can coach anybody. I, you know, I, I think I can figure this stuff out. And then I wanted to coach so bad. Um, you know, so I said, yeah. And then a week later, we, you know, we practiced three, four times and, uh, they didn't, they didn't know which way to go on the court and how to line up on a free throw line. We're seventh graders and that's seven girls. Yeah. We go to Tahlequah, Oklahoma and lose 54 to four. Um, I'm sitting there thinking like, man, this is not a good start of my career. I don't know where, where to go from here besides up though. Um, but the sweetest girls and, and they were so eager to learn and, Later in the year, we won one game that year. Thank goodness for a small little Christian school that played us. But um, we played uh, that same team and lost 24 to 14 um, and had them. If we could just make a layup, we'd have beat them. Uh, you know, and that, that's, that same team, you know, uh, one of the girls on that team just become the mayor uh, recently. And, and I have a, a whole group of them that we got a group on Facebook that we stay in touch and they got kids now. And I could return tomorrow you know, and, and be just as happy coaching them. It was probably one of my best coaching jobs ever as I am where I'm at now today. But I coached, uh, I taught junior high and I got on the next year after I got my master's and coached a year with my high school coach uh, teaching and coaching. And then I was blessed to have the opportunity to, to become a head high school coach. Um, another program, you know, usually you get a break if, if the program is not doing well and they'll hire uh a young coach so they had won six games back-to-back years and they were a football town that was very very successful of Venita, Oklahoma and I got the job in 95 and uh man I was very blessed I had a really talented freshman group coming up um you know that that six of my top seven were in football or six of my top eight uh were in football and they went to the state championship game um and so I did have them in the team camp before summer you know uh but I had one day's practice on Sunday and we started our tournament Monday. Um, so, you know, that, and we had to play a local team to catch them, Oklahoma, who had had a year round, they had no football and they were like dominating small class and winning state championships. So, you know, I got thrown right into the fire with it, with a group of young men that man, I did just, God really blessed me with. And, um, you know, I, I got to review, review or reverse a field here. I tried to get a high school job coming out. And I remember going and interviewing at this job. And it was a really bad job. And I walked in and the superintendent, it was an interview between me and him. Uh, and he said two questions. Like, number one, uh, why did you go to junior college? And I was like, well, I, 
the only scholarship offer I had, sir. And um, his second question was, how young are you? And I looked kind of young, I guess. And I said, well, you know, I told him my age. And he said, you're just a little too green behind the ear, son. And I walked out of there and I was like telling God, like, how do you, how can you not give me this job? It's the worst job there is, you know, and I'm giving God just, I'm giving him the business going like, come on. Well, true story. We play those guys my first year of Anita. They had beaten Vanita the year before, and uh, I was pretty excited about playing them. I, I told my team, you know, I gave them a little mojo. Um, and we were ahead at halftime, uh, 73 to 18. <laughs> and I remember – Yeah, like, right. oh, you had a little edge, right? <laughs> yeah, and I was feeling good. I was feeling good, you know, and I'm looking down right yeah. before half, and I see the other team's coach, you know, looking down at the floor. And I remember God saying, that would be you. Um, if, if you would have got what your plan was. And I, I we did not score 100 points that game. I told my guys, I don't care if we're going to hold it. You know, I, we're not doing it because I, I knew I knew um, God had blessed me. And um, we soon had a miscarriage. I went in to hear my son's heartbeat, and uh, there wasn't a heartbeat. And I had a miscarriage. And so we were winning games, and I'm out, my dream is coming true as a head coach, and I'm going through just uh, – you know, a dream killing situation is my wife and I were struggling through miscarriage. And then we have another one right at the start of the next year, same kind of toughness. You know, you're sitting there going like, you know, I, I should be the happiest guy ever. And instead it's just, it's really hard, you know, cause my, my biggest dream would probably be to have children. And so, uh, I have a, we have a specialist we go to and then they tell us we're probably not be able to have kids. And, you know, it was tough. Uh, so we prayed about it, and uh, I have one principle I go by that one of my biblical principles that I go by that, I, you know, if you don't, you don't go by feelings. You don't go by what you see. And I didn't, you know, when you don't feel like doing something, you know, most of the time I go ahead and do it. Um, so I didn't feel like going to church that night. My wife and I, we didn't want to hear somebody say, hey, when's the baby due or whatever. And we went that night, and uh, the guy speaking was a guest named Jimmy Ray. And he got up front. And he, he's, I remember having a dream one time that told me uh, – in the dream is a real like scary dream woke me up and it said I would not be wealthy. And I didn't know what the meaning of it was, but I sure didn't like it. Um, but he got up front and he said, uh, I'm going to define wealth for you tonight. And it, it went right back to eight years prior when I had that dream. And I knew, um, you know, something was, he was, I was supposed to be there in that cheat, that chair that night. And he said, you know, like in old days is how many kids you had, how many sons you had defines your wealth. And, so he said he had four miscarriages and then he started calling his kids up one at a time. And he said, you know, he had scripture, my vine will be fruitful and your quiver will be full. And you just said, you got to have specific prayers and you got to stand on them. So my wife and I wrote down a blonde hair, blue eye, left-handed. And, and she said chubby cheeks. And um, we started believing again and we got pregnant. And uh, the day of the playoff pairings that year, uh, we went in to hear the heartbeat third time. Uh, second, first two times were nightmares. And then this time, uh, Dr. Knife Chief, I got a little Indian blood in me being from Oklahoma and we went in to see the, the doctor <laughs> and, uh, he had his device and he started listening for my, for my baby's heartbeat and, and nothing happened, you know, and my wife starts crying. He says, well, I got another device. Let me go get it. And uh, he's gone. It seemed like a couple years, um, cause I'm trying to keep things held together. And I said, honey, I just got, I don't know. I, something in my spirit tells me that, you know, this ain't over, you know, and, he comes back in with a different device, and uh, I heard my son's heartbeat for the first time. And, you know, I, all I cared about before then was climbing the, the, the rat race, climbing up the mountain, be, you know, finding a way to win games. And 
for the first time, I didn't care if I won a game the rest of my life. And Guy went first, family went second, and, and coaching turned into a ministry. Um, and this is what God does. We weren't ranked. We weren't, you know, looked on to the team. We won 10 straight games and went to the state championship. It was like angels in the outfield. I, I can't even explain. My son's born. Uh, he's got black hair. And the coaches are like, you know, like his baby picture has like a left hand sticking up. And I'm like, oh, but he's left-handed. Look at that. And they're like, that's a baby picture, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, well, he got blue. He got, he got blue eyes. <laughs> and they're like, oh, white boy baby's got blue eyes. And I'm like, golly, you know. Oh, but his black hair fell out and his baby hair fell out and blonde hair came in. He's left hand and he is blue eyed and he definitely had chubby cheeks. Um, born August 31st. And, and like I said, God did in a crazy thing. Uh, the next year uh, I, I got, uh, my daughter was born. We, we went, I got back into college coaching. We went back to my alma mater at John Brown as an assistant coach. Um, and, and our program had dropped off a little bit. So I was looking forward to helping build the program back up and, my second daughter was born, and we made the national tournament again, um, which was a big thing after almost getting there about three years. Um, and then my second son was born in 2005, and we were the 31st team to get in the tournament out of 32. Um, he was born the same birthday as my first son, August 31st. He's blonde hair, blue-eyed, and left-handed, and uh, we won the national championship again. Um, and so, you know, I just sat there and laughed because uh, – I know what God's, you know, power can do and the coincidences that people would you know, kind of, if you, if you believe that stuff's all coincidence, man, I got some stuff I need to sell you um, because it's just been that story over and over. Um, I thought I was going to get a head coaching job at John Brown. I'd been there 10 years, 13 years, won two national championships, but coach CI's son uh, was a good guy and everything. He was a division one assistant and coach CI decided to retire and help his son get the job and, um, that was hard, man. I, I didn't have a job all of a sudden. And I thought, you know, my plan again, didn't come into play. Um, and it was, it was, it was a challenging time. I've got four kids. I'm not making hardly any money. I got a minivan. Um, and I'm driving, I'm driving to Branson, <laughs> Missouri, um, uh, because my buddy buys me a timeshare after I don't get the job. And, uh, I'd had a friend that, uh, named Kevin Johnson. Dad played at Oklahoma state for Iowa back in the day. Um, KJ was a nice player at St. Gregory's and then was an assistant coach at Oklahoma Baptist University. And we had made the tournament and I walked into the tournament, uh, that year we won it in 05 and, uh, it's a big bank with 32 teams and, and KJ comes running up and man, this guy just oozed God in the coolest way possible. Six, seven, he married Miss junior, Miss Oklahoma. He had it all, you know, and he just oozed God. And he comes running up, Daddy B, what's up? And I'm like, man, I can't believe we're dancing. We actually sent our guys home. We didn't think we were going to get in. And we had to bring them back. And we got the last at-large bid. And I'm like, dude, I can't believe we're here. You know? cool. And he's like, what are you yeah. talking about, man? You've been showing me your God forever, man. I'm like, come on, keep talking. Man. You're probably going to win this thing. I'm like, man, come on. And uh, we won five straight and won it, you know. And I get a voicemail. That's I awesome, like, yeah. When I got home, uh, KJ just leaving this incredible voicemail. Well, fast forward to December 31st, I'm sitting in my office um, and I get a text or a call from a friend. We didn't have phone, cell phone. And I get a call from a friend and he says, you hear about KJ? And I'm like, what happened? Brain aneurysm. And he's not going to make it. And I'm like, what? So I, I'm, I'm just like torn, man. I, I honestly, uh, I'm 30 years old. Um, I drive the church bus. 
I go to church, but my wife is wearing the spiritual pants in the family and she's reading the Bible to my kids. I had never, I didn't read the Bible. I listened to my preacher. Um, I had never fasted. Uh, I, I knew my mom did all that stuff, you know, and, and brought everybody to Christ, but I lived off their prayers. I married a, a beautiful wife that had the same kind of spiritual faith. And I didn't know her, her goal and her dream was for me to become the spiritual head of the home. But that in my office that day, I'm crying out to God, just like, why would you let KJ do, you know, why would this happen to him? You know, like I deserve this more than him. And, and, and I, God told me to fight. And I was like, wow. Like I knew what he was talking about. Cause I had heard my mom like praying for my dad and stuff. And, and I knew what she was, you know, exactly what he was saying. And then I never fasted and he was saying, you know, so I'm like, if you'll save him, like only two doctors in the United States would touch him. He's a basal tip brain aneurysm. And I'm like, I'm in. And so I started fasting for the first time ever and praying. And uh, this all led up um, to the next year where um, we're, we're, you know, it's my second season. This is after we won it. And this is, this, this, I'm going into a situation where December 31st to Valentine's Day, I'm going through this amazing time where I'm praying every day. God's giving me, you know, information uh, to share with his brother and his wife as he's out in San Francisco. He died like three times and, and, he was supposed to be a vegetable. The guy's coming home on Valentine's day and he's, he's more normal than me, which ain't real normal, but he, he's miraculously <laughs> making it. And, uh, I'm all excited. I'm going to, I walk into coach's office and say, Hey, I'm going to go over and, um, see KJ before our game at Oklahoma Christian. Uh, cause he's from Edmond and, uh, I'll just meet you guys at the game. And coach said, well, you need to go sit down. Hey, I got to tell you something. He, he let me know then that, you know, he was going to plan on retiring and helping his son get the job and, you know, I was like, man, like I should have wanted to burn the place down, to be honest, because I that was my dream. Like 10 years there as an assistant making thirty thousand dollars with four kids trying to get that head coaching job and, you know, turning down one job the whole time I turned. I second like in 50 jobs. Great ones. Dallas Baptist, Oklahoma City, some great jobs. You name I, I was second in the whole conference of the Sooner Athletic Conference in jobs um, interviews. Uh, and I turned down one job, and it was a job called Oklahoma Wesleyan University at the time because at the time they had struggled. In, admissions had got down to 200 students. They had had six straight 20-loss seasons, and I was like, you know, we went over. I had a, a really good scholarship situation there at John Brown, so my wife, we left the place. And my wife was like, no, nah, that's never going to happen, honey. So now we're over here, and guess, you know, my buddy buys me a timeshare after I don't get the job. Um, after the end of that year, and, and I'm in Branson, Missouri, on the timeshare with our four kids, and I get a call from a former player of mine, and he says he's up at the national tournament watching, and he says, God's telling me that uh, – <laughs> he said, God's telling me that you're um, – I'm, I'm going to be your assistant coach, and we're going to win the national championship. You need to take the new ex the Oklahoma Wesleyan job because it's four years later, and it came open again. And I'm like uh, – like Mark, like you're making six figures. Like you're not, you don't know what an assistant coach at this level makes. Ain't no way that this is going to happen. Like I know there's scholarship situations. We're not going to win a national championship in two years. Like that's not a good job, bro. And he believes in me more than I do, you know? And he says, I'm just telling you what God told me. I can't leave my job, you know? And so he says, I'd say you need to look at that job. So uh, I get off the phone and my wife, he was telling God was speaking at the time. He's going to make something out of nothing. And uh, he's telling us both through different ways. He, he speaks to me a lot of times through music. And it was, it was casting crowns at the time. And if you remember the 
facing the Giants movie. It was almost a story of my life at that time. And, um, that voice of Truth mm-hmm. was coming off at the end of that song, and my wife was getting spoke to. And so the true story, I get off the phone with the president, and, and she says, that doesn't count because he was going to make something out of nothing. She's like, that's less than nothing. That doesn't count. Um, she goes, but we're going to take this job, aren't we? And I was like, uh, yeah, I think that's what God's going to do. Um, then here's what he told me. If you take the job, I'm going to be, you're never going to let me drop below 50%. Um, I'm like, well, God, you've done that too much. And I'm like, but I got to scout and I got to recruit. and I got to do all this to get us there. And he says, you're going to have to keep me at 51%. You're going to have to make sure you're telling them about me more than that. So I'm like, I, I, can't, I know you, I can't win on that program without you. Cause I, I know there's no way. And so, uh, he gave me these 10 biblical principles, such as one of them would be the second mile principle. Um, in, in Roman days, um, a Jewish boy would, or uh, by Roman law, a, a Jewish boy or a Jewish man had to carry the Roman soldier's armor one mile. And Jesus, Jesus said, not only go right. the first mile, but go the second mile and do it in love and do it for me. Well, who's going to do that? I just walked a mile with your armor. You made me leave what I was doing. I'm going to put it down and I'm going to go back to what I was doing. Not even happy with what you just made me do. But Jesus says, do it in love and do it with a smile. Well, that's the second mile where favor of God falls, but nobody goes there. So we started talking about James one to consider adversity, pure joy, because we were going to have lots of adversity and we knew it because we didn't have the scholarships. We didn't have everything it needed to be successful. And, uh, so we would say pure joy, baby. That every time a referee make a bad call on the road, everything you know that would happen, we had to like pull the bleachers out, or we had to do anything. I would just always say pure joy, baby. And uh, we went 120 and 20, won 39 consecutive games my second year, and won a national championship. And God just went off the charts, out of the out of the box. And so um, I, I don't even know how to to explain, you know how. He took me from a, a pit that I praised him in and he put me in the palace and, and to the top of the mountain. And I deserve zero credit for that. I, I, it's all for his glory. And, and that was our theme that year. I, we were on CBS sports and, and our whole crowd's got four his glory shirts on chanting it. And, you know, it's all it was about, you know? So um, from there uh, we, we really didn't get a large increase in scholarships. So uh I took a job at Southwest Assemblies of God University. Um, they had had 15 straight um, under 500 seasons, and uh, it was in a good location in Dallas. And I, uh, I knew um, I could recruit that area because that was one of my regions that I really recruited hard over the years. And uh, I got a background of, of being an AG or, or charismatic or evangelical. So uh, God said go, and so I took my family down to Dallas uh, for six years and. Um, in our second year, um, there, um, my, at the end of my year here, uh, you saw the video, um, I, we won our 39th consecutive game and I walked upstairs to see my dad who had got to be with me and go through some final fours and cut down nets and God had brought me over here next to him. And then he tells me he's peeing blood and, uh, he had never been to the hospital because he just didn't have, you know, he was just a tough kid growing up and he was a bricklayer and he had colon can uh, excuse me, he had kidney cancer. And uh, so we had ran into another valley and uh, it was a tough time that year as I, I did a lot of praying and fasting and, and God didn't, you know, perform a miracle. Um, our team was still winning and 
Um, he seemed dry. It was a dry time where I didn't understand. But um, the day, um, the, the end of that next year, 2010, um, we were uh, over in Joplin. My dad, had, uh, he only had one kid in his whole life, didn't even know it. It was the one that had cancer. We're, he couldn't make it, he couldn't make it mm-hmm. through dialysis. And we're at Joplin in the hospital. Um, and I'm, I'm by his side. And we had watched two, two things on church about Joshua one being strong and courageous. And, uh, he's, you know, he's telling me, son, you have to be strong and courageous. And it's, uh, it's not good. I'm having to pick him up off the bed and, you know, to go to the restroom. And, and that's just not my dad. I mean, he's a, he's doing a hundred pushups at 65, you know, Popeye and now cancer and C diff and stuff is taking him down to, uh, you know, just, uh, bones. And so, I'm sitting there, it's storming outside, it's one in the morning, and I get a call from my wife, and my son's having an emergency epidectomy, <laughs> and I'm like, you got to be kidding me, and my dad had just videoed a video that's on our website uh, um, that you could watch, and talking to my team, and it was super powerful, and um, I drove an hour and a half in the rainstorm to check on my son, my dad told me, get over here, boy, and go see your son, be strong and courageous, and I knew I was leaving his side for the last time. Um, I walked out of my son's hospital at, at uh, eight, eight or nine, eight or nine o'clock to get in the car to go pick up my team to go to the national tournament. Stop by Joplin on the way, and uh, turn the radio on, and, and a song came on, and God finally poured His Spirit out on me. And I knew my dad was being healed. I knew it wasn't like I had hoped, but he was ultimately walking on the streets of gold. And my mom called like seconds later, and, and Dad was in heaven, and um, and. I knew I was going to have to do what he wanted me to do and, and be strong and courageous. So I took my team and we went to the national tournament and um, he blessed us. We, we won the game in a, at the buzzer on a miraculous shot. And um, we went on to go to the final four that year again, but um, I got to go speak at the final four in Houston that year. And, and I showed that video and John Wooden went to heaven. And I actually, John Wooden, I got a picture of him holding my first son Gunter um, after an FCA event that year. And, I didn't realize I was speaking, you know, at the, at the final four, um, in a coach, the big, you know, the coaches uh, event there. And, um, I didn't realize that John Wooden's, uh, son-in-law was in the crowd. Um, and I, and I brought, I brought John Wooden into the equation so I could bring God into the equation. And I, and I showed the video of my father and I talked about the principles John Wooden stood for. And it's the same thing that we stand for and, um, and how God is the secret in the sauce. And afterwards, coach Wooden's, son-in-law comes up to me and takes me and introduces me to his mother and his and his daughter and uh just one of the most amazing experiences of my life getting to meet them and um so down in in texas uh cancer obviously is something i don't like it took my father um our first year there we didn't make the tournament we won 20 some games and almost got ourselves in but i didn't have a a real strong group around me uh, uh like i did here of mighty men like david had um, so I was like, guys, send me somebody, um, you know, I need somebody that can push me and accountability is huge. If you don't have it, you gotta, you gotta find somebody that you can eat breakfast with once a week that can hold you accountable and push you spiritually. And I was like, God, I need somebody. And my dad's name was David. My high school coach's name was David and his wife was named joy. And, uh, I'm sitting there. It's, it's the first day of preseason work. My second year at Sagu, um, this couple, older couple in their seventies are come in and they're sitting over there watching. I walk over and I'm like, Hey, who are you guys? And nicest people ever. And, uh, his name was David. His wife's name was Julie. And, um, he used to, he wanted to be a basketball coach 
um, but God called him to the mission field um, of the Middle East, and he'd been there over 30 years, and he hadn't seen basketball one time, but he watched Hoosiers every year once, at least once. And I was like, what? <laughs> um, and he's like, we're here um, for a, a furlough, and we're going to teach how to witness to Muslims. And uh, I was like, wow. And like, I said, well, come watch practice anytime, you know. And uh, he didn't seem to fit. I was thinking somebody closer to my age, not somebody 20 years older than me. Um, and he's walking out of the gym and guys like, that's him. And I'm like, that old guy, you know, um, a week later, he walks in my office and, uh, he's like, thanks for letting me come watch practice. And I was like, uh, would you be our chaplain? I just made up a term. Uh, cause I, I didn't think he could fit the term coach to be honest with you. And, uh, I was like, would you be our chaplain? I can't pay you, but you come practice anytime. And would you eat breakfast with me once a week? And, and he's like, yeah, that would be awesome. And I'm like, great you know he walks out of my office we didn't start practice for another couple of weeks so i didn't see him the third time i ever saw him he walks in my office again and this time he's got a laser look on his eye and he's like i'm like hey what's up dave he says coach i've been walking and praying in a park this morning and uh i know you don't know me and you're probably gonna think i'm crazy but god told me we're going to the national championship <laughs> and i was like oh, oh man you you don't know what it takes like uh we, we didn't, you know, we haven't even made a tournament. This team barely got over 500 for the first time ever. And, and, uh, I don't think you understand, you know, and he's like, Oh coach, I've had machine guns pointed at me. I know when God speaks, I'm just like, Hey, I'm crazier than you. I'm all in. <laughs> I'm with you. Uh, we start the season. We're four and two. Um, I had met a gentleman that was named David. That was our IT director. And, and he actually at age 16 graduated high school, went to Africa for a missionary for two years and then took a really nice job where he traveled the world. He left that to do a church plan in Lancaster. And he was our IT director at the school just so he could have enough money to do what he was doing. And I met him the first day on HR stuff. We just hit it off, had a just real sweet connection there. He liked basketball. And so I just find out that my second best player is no longer going to be on our team. And I'm distraught. And we're four and two. And I asked David, are you sure you heard that from God? And we're going into chapel, and I, I, I carry my Bible with me at the time and I, because I, I, I was going to chapel. So we went into chapel. We sat towards the back because we were a few minutes late. At the end of chapel, David, my buddy, this IT director, gets up front with his wife. He thought he hurt his shoulder playing intramural basketball on the staff team, and he announces he's got stage four bone cancer. And I'm just rocked again like I was with my buddy KJ and my dad. And, and uh, I'm just like once again looking at God like, are you kidding me? Uh, and I heard him say it again, fight. And I was studying, uh, David and his mighty men at the time. And Eleazar was the guy I was studying. Eleazar was one of the mighty men that one, one guy, everybody was running from a battle and he said, not today. And he held his sword and he killed the, uh, hundreds of men. It froze to his hand. It said they could have pried out of his hand. And guy was like, you know, you're going to have to carry your sword like Eleazar and you're going to fight for him. You let him, let him know, you know, and, I'm like, okay, deal. So afterwards, I go up front and I tell his wife's name, David, excuse me, his his name's David and his wife's name's Joy, just like my high school coach. And uh, I tell him, I'm like, man, I know I know you. I just met your wife, but, like, I'm going to be here. God says, you know, to fight by your side. And so first thing we did was uh, God said, you know, go funds for a stem cell transplant. And uh, – we raised over $10,000 for a stem cell transplant. I missed some practices. I told my team I was going to be doing that. And 
the first game we played after that, we played LSU Shreveport, a really good team. And uh, true story, looked like it looked like a, a Space Jam. Um, we couldn't. We got beat 35 at home. I never got beat like that in my life. We looked like we could not play. It was like the weirdest thing I've ever experienced. I played this like Christian music and warm ups. I carried my Bible, and we got crushed. <laughs> and so I'm like, man, God, that's that. Thanks a lot. That was great. You know, um, am I doing what I'm saying, or am I am I just doing this because I'm it's my own personal self? I don't I, I don't want to be doing this if that's the case. So I go in my locker room and I tell my guys. I think I'm still doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm going to carry this Bible. I don't care if we win another game. Um, true story, we won 17 straight games and a uh, conference championship night. And a lot of those guys' games were at the buzzer. And I had a young man by the name of Rambo, Dominic Rambo, who was setting his Bible, you know, when you walk in the locker room. And, and this guy was two-time NEI player of the year, a little bitty guard that was just super talented. But, like, he really tapped in, and he was just taking us to another level. And, um special young man. I, I'm sitting in my office, um, conference championship before the game, and I get a text from David uh, Bush, and it says, NED. And I'm like, what is NED? I put a question mark by it. No evidence of disease. It was a championship, you know. That was that was a miracle and, and a championship. I was I, I honestly celebrated right there like I just cut down the nets and um, – uh, you know, God had taken me on, a, on an amazing journey growing spiritually during that time as I prayed for him and saw some amazing miracles in between that time period. But um, we went on, had never been to the tournament, NEI Division One, and we won all the way to the national championship again. At halftime, they did a special on David um, and our team and our, the whole journey. And he got all the glory, you know. Uh, we lost that game by uh, the most points any team's ever lost a championship game. <laughs> You know, but, but it really didn't matter. I hate to say that in the coolest way, but it didn't matter because it really, truly, God got the glory for doing what he was able to do. And and then, of all things, God says, uh, I'm going to make it possible. My wife wanted to get back close to family. My father was, you know, my mom didn't have my dad around. And after six years, uh, my wife, I kept promising her, our next move will be back towards home. And um, of all places, Oklahoma Wesleyan came open again. And uh, my buddy that was – the guy who called me telling me that if I take the job um, at Oklahoma Wesleyan and he was a car figure guy, he actually had come on board and become my assistant coach, won the national championship, just like he had prophesied to me. Um, and now he was the guy, guy's coach. I wanted to coach the girls and he calls me. I'm, I'm actually taking a father son trip. We're on top of a mountain in Yosemite park. The first time we had Wi-Fi in three days and he calls me saying, you're coming home. And I'm like, what? He's like, you're coming back, man. And so uh, God opened a crazy door there and brought me back to Oklahoma Wesleyan. And, you know, they, they had not had much uh, success two previous seasons. So, once again, is another program where God's going to do something big and, and, and turn things around and bring the right guys and the players in. And, um, you know, I do a formula called How to Win with Less. Uh, and it works. I mean, you know, if you count your three-point points. So if I beat you – um, 10 threes to seven threes. Okay. So that's three points, right? And if I beat yes. you offensive rebound points, uh, 10 to seven, that's three more points. I beat you transition points, 10 to six. That's, that's four more points. So that's 10 total points. And then if I hold your field goal percentage below 40, 
we're going to win 100% of the time. If you've won three out of four of those, we're going to win. Over my career of uh, 12 years, we're winning 78.6% of the time. And over 10. And, Coach, you're going to send me that. You're gonna, I want you to send me that because I've always coached in those situations. Uh, but uh, go over that again because I, uh, I love that. Um, you know, it's effort. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. First starts with defense. All, all the rings I've had, we've been a top defensive field goal percentage team. So if you hold your opponent under 40% from the floor, you know, I know we don't have we have a shot clock, so you guys don't in high school sometimes or or you know, so no, so not you can Georgia. And say if we lead the country in, in points allowed, you can just hold the ball the whole game. We've done that before, you know, in high school when I played. But that doesn't mean you're necessarily the best defensive team. But I think defensive field goal percentage means you're not letting them have layups, you're not letting them get off into rebound putbacks, you're challenging every shot, you know. So if you do that well and force some steals, then you get to play fun and go push the ball and shoot threes, which everybody wants to do. Um, and get easy buckets. So defensive field goal percentage under 40. Um, we led the country in our championship in 05 at 37% and 09, 38%. Um, all my 30 win teams led the country in defensive field goal percentage. So there's one seriously common denominator right there. But we also like to, you know, to score and be creative like our, our maker and, and flow. And so I reward them for playing D and we push the ball and try to get, you know, buckets in transition. So I want to beat you in transition points. And then I want to beat you in three-point points. Because if you do the math, 33% from three is same to 50% from two. Everybody's changed. Houston, everybody's trying to shoot 63s a game. The right, you know, Golden State's changed the game. You can win with less if you make the three. Well, then what's going to happen if you shoot a lot of threes? You're going to get a lot of offensive rebound attempts because the ball's going to bounce long. So we send four and a half guys. You know who else sends four and a half guys to the boards? Um, Bob McKillop. You know who Bob McKillop is? Bob McKillop. Yeah, yeah. Davidson. Davidson. Yeah, for sure. Steph Curry. Yeah. And, and I got to coach in USA Basketball one time uh, under 19 with Bob. And, and we sat there and talked about the similarities and how God brought Steph Curry to him and, and how the three-point and offensive rebounding and all – because offensive rebound is effort, defense effort, and it's team. And so – we put those formulas all together, and over 12 years per game, our opponent – I mean, uh, excuse me, we have outscored our opponent 10 points per game. So you're going to have to beat me 10. And if we hold you under 40, you're not going to beat me. And right now, over my career, 78.6% um, of the time, that's top 10 of any level of college coaching and winning percentage. It works. But the secret to the next level – is adding God and putting him at the first and letting the Holy Spirit, like, empower your players. And, and there's the secret. I mean, John Wood and Vince Lombardi, you, you go look up the, the quotes they said. It's all about applying God's principles, like meekness and humility. Like, New England Patriots, one of their best teams, they try to go undefeated. They put a, a shirt on that said, eat humble pie underneath their pads. So every time they took their pads off, they had to remind themselves of humility. So pride never showed up. Like, it's it's there to be taken, but everybody else is thinking, like, what's the secret offense? You know, what's the secret defense? And they jump in that rat race. And even if you win and you lose your family or whatever else, you're a rat. Like, you, who, who cares about winning a rat race? Um, but if you can get up there and you can do it and, and your whole team, you know, is are better men and better husbands later and, and successful, um, even if you – lose by the most points ever in a championship game or like this year we were 30 and three and we got upset 
and the only one seed to get upset in NAIA since they went to a one and eight, you know, four number ones. We're number two overall. We got beat by a good team that that did a good job, and we didn't hit shots. And he's a great coach. He's won over 300 games too, and it, it happens sometimes. Virginia, you know, last year that you can't tell me he's not a great coach. Um, and it was humbling, you know, but it, it's a game, you know. It's not going to make me – it ain't going to lose my joy um, or my players. It's going to make me think they didn't have, you know, the great a great season. And um, so, you know, we, we, we believe that, uh, you know, we use this as a platform and it's a ministry. And, and how could I deny, like, you listen just to – I could tell you we've been to Africa and beat the Angola. The African national champions, 10 out of 11 years. They wanted an American team to come play. When I'm at Sagu, I get a text after we were number one in the country that year. And we're asking because it was going to be in October and they couldn't get a, a pro team or an NCAA team to come because of the time period. They wanted an American team to come play on their soil and play them. We're talking about a, a world championship team that have beaten Germany and Canada. And it's their pros. It's not their college kids. And they, want, and they ask if we would come play them. I'm thinking free mission trip. They're going to pay our way. I'm in. <laughs> and then I find out, wait, they've had 10 years of civil war. Um, they're going to be machine guns on every corner. And uh, Ebola just broke out in North and Western Africa. So uh, I'm sitting there, you know, we already committed. And I'm like, man, God's got this. I'm telling you guys. And so we took some flax, some heat. Um, it was in the Dallas Morning News for going uh, because we could bring Ebola back. Ebola was two countries north of them, but it, you know, Africa is so big, people don't understand that's Texas to Canada away, you know. But we go, and uh, I took Steve Briggs, a kid I had, because one of my big guys was a Nigerian and had his I-20, so he couldn't leave the country. So I, I had a spot, and we were playing pros. So I took one of my former players that was a two-time NEI. He was playing professionally in Germany. And, and it's funny because I called him, and I said, hey, you made it, you're going back to Germany. He's like, that's crazy, coach. I just – he just left my office, actually. Um, these, I said, like, I'm, I, our team's going to Africa, Steve, and I think I'm supposed to ask if you'll go. Like, that's crazy. We're gonna call. He goes with us. Um, we're playing a, a, a four days, four games in five days, and uh, they're four, they're, they're top four pro teams, and they're calling us for Assembly of God University, God's University. <laughs> we're gonna play these teams, so we, we play them. We play the first game with uh, probably the third best team, and we lose by five. Um, we had just got set in the airport, 24 hours flying. And I was like, man, we should have beat them. And they're sitting there thinking like, man, we're just glad you guys competed with us because you're so small compared to our guys and the guys we have that we didn't think you are going to be able to compete. Um, and all I asked for them, I was like, can we go to orphanages and, and uh, can we go like to any churches and stuff around – while we're there, and they're like, uh, yeah, you know. We, of course, they have machine guns with us all the time, stuff like that. But um, it, it's the most city, expensive city in the world to live, Luanda, Africa, because there's oil and blood diamond money, and then there's poverty. And, and like, it's unbelievable. Like, six cities disappeared because of the – so out of the ten cities, there's four left, and, and so many people come to the big city. Like, <laughs> you're talking, like – Millions of people packed into a little spot with a, a, a five-star hotel with shacks built behind it, all around it, and no lights off the wow. path. So it was, it was an amazing experience, but they treated us great. 
you know, and honestly, this is a crazy story. I'm eating breakfast on the first morning. I got an atheist that's taking us. Okay, he's the guy. That, he doesn't believe in Christ at all. We go into the first breakfast, and I'm sitting there, and I take take about from Brazil, gave his Brazilian Portuguese fire Bibles. I take them with me as gifts. And so I'm sitting there at breakfast in, in this nice hotel downstairs, all their food. And here comes this six nine guy in. And I find out he played against the dream team back in the day when Barkley and all those guys played Angola. Uh, if you remember the story, they uh, that's I remember so that. this guy's yeah, this guy's yeah. oh, trust and Barkley <laughs> smashes this, this one guy. Yeah. But this is that team, right? And now since then they came to a whole nother level. That that was the first team that ever made it there. What happened was the the guy who won, I mean, the communist side won, okay? And the general who won, um, he his ask to the to the, the guy who became president, his ask was, I want to be the, the basketball coach and become the best basketball um, team in Africa. That and that was what he gifted him. And he let him come over and study the Pistons and they set a whole system in play and they became the best African team winning championships, world champ or uh, national championships. Um so this guy picks us up at the airport. He knows this other guy because the guy that actually took us was um, – he was an assistant coach for Chuck Daly at one point. And so, um, you know, we've got the USC, former USC coach, going there doing a, doing a coach's clinic for him. And we're taking our team just to go play him, to get beat, supposedly. Well, this guy walks in, um, and he's the, uh, the head of the basketball federation now. Speaks like seven languages, amazingly smart. And I'm sitting here – and. The guy across from me that took us, he's giving him a gift to give him a hug because he knows him. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I guess I'm going to see if what happens when I give somebody a Bible. So I pull out of my backpack and I go to hand him this Bible, this gift. He gets big eye, big old wide eyes. And I'm thinking, OK, I don't know what's going to happen next. He asked me to stand up and he gives me this giant hug. And he says he starts looking through it and he says, this is a study Bible in my own language. My wife is going to be so jealous. This is the best gift I've ever received. And I'm sitting here going like, oh, my gosh. I pull another one out and say, give this to your wife. Uh, he said, anything you need, coach, anything you need. One player has ever gotten citizenship there. He came from ORU, um, Reggie, they, they Reggie Moore, and he become American citizen there because they wanted him to play basketball. And he, he, I have a friend, okay, that played uh, Chad Wilkerson played at ORU and he and him and Reggie are tight. And so he told me Reggie was there. So I had another believer there. And then the guy that uh, was the captain of their team and Kikos, he played with Indiana Westland's head coach under a coach. You might, you might know a couple names here of Valparaiso, Homer drew. He played and yeah, this is a true story. Greg Tonegal led him to Christ in a Bible study. He played at Valparaiso was all American. And Greg led him to the crisis in a Bible study in the dorm. <laughs> and I'm walking That's up. That's awesome. These two guys are waiting for me. And they were on that champion. So we, we lose that first one. We win the second one against the fourth place team. Steve is a special player. But we, we were small. We were having to double the post and fly around, shoot threes. We played the third game against the second best team, which is called Petro Oil. And we uh, – uh, we, had, we went and visited this church, all right, and, it, and we were down seven in the first half. They were super talented. Had two professional American team players on our team. Uh, and we um, uh, are down about seven. And here comes this church that we visited. They let them come to the game. And so they had all these fans. They were like a soccer crowd going crazy and stuff. 
um, they're behind our bench. We can't know what they're saying, you know, and stuff. But we kind of got inspired, um, got it going, come back and took the lead. Of course, all the fans of the um, the government team, Pedro, it's uh, uh, the main team there, and and the government uh, is like it's he kind of owns the team and stuff. At the same time, it's it's a um, a pro team, um, and they're wanting they're they're against Petro Oil because that's their rival. And so they start – it's kind of like funny because they start cheering for us, um, kind of like the Rocky movie, I guess. And so we end up um, beating them. And so now it sets up the perfect scenario, 3-0 and versus 2-1, and playing um, Premier Augusto, which is the team, in the final. And they had already put in their championships – they already put their names on the trophies, all that kind of stuff, right? I'm up on top of uh, a hotel with my team every night, and we're looking across Africa. It's amazing. Um, and I'm like, guys, you know, you, you've, you've already seen, they've already shown, you, you know, you've already did everything you needed to see that God sees, you know, what he's done. And, and Steve's like, coach, he didn't bring us here to lose. And I'm like, I'm not planning on losing, but I'm just telling you, you know, like he goes, oh, I don't think you understand because we're not coming over here to lose. God, God's got something going. And um, it's the same man who took me, you know, to two national championship, average 30 a game. And uh, he, he's a special young man. He was, Steve, he was Steph Curry at this level before, you know, the time period was happening, but, um, Steve, uh, comes out and hits like five threes to start the game. Uh, they start getting upset with the starters and pulling them out and we get a lead and then they come back and cut it to like three and a half. And so second half we come out once again, halftime, I'm sitting there going like, man, you know, what you've already done accomplished. And once again, Steve's like, coach, I'm sorry, man. I'm going to tell you again, like we didn't come as far. God didn't bring us. This is insane coach. And, and, Steve comes out, gets it going again, and uh, ends up – we come down, tied game. They tie the game up with 10 seconds left. Um, we're coming down. I'm not going to call a timeout uh, because I don't, I don't think I get the ball back in his hands. Um, they double him uh, at half. I mean, it's just a war. I mean, when you get to the free throw line, like, everybody just gets in the paint. I mean, no, he, the guy is not even letting the ball go. It's like the NBA at the worst scenario. People just start battling, and you're like, uh, he's not even shot yet, you know. But – yeah, so he, uh, the ball goes off. He goes to try to pass to somebody. Deflects out of bounds with uh, .7 left, and so I call timeout. We set up playoffs, and I, I'm like, Steve's probably not going to get open, but we're going to run a guy. Then we're going to run my other guard to the corner. Um, we hit him in the corner. He barely has enough room to catch the ball and just chunk it in the air because the guy was in his grill. And uh, they blow the whistle, and as the shot goes up, and he, I'm thinking he's saying no, I couldn't count, you know. And he calls a foul. Um, on the shot, man, you would think you would call for him. I'm afraid that guy's <laughs> hanging on a tree in Africa, but exactly, he never made it out. Any, this was the, one of their referees, but anyway, we win the game. We hit the free throws. They offered Steve a job for the next three months playing on their pro team, uh, and they they treat us like kings after that. You know, they said they still won the championship because of point spread, and I was fine with that as long as they let me out of there. Um, but, but honestly, yeah. it was another time that sat there and go, how does this happen? Um, so anyway, I, I just wanted to share as much of my heart as I could today. And it can, if it can happen to me, it can happen to anybody. I promise you. Yeah. What a great story. I, you know what? I, I'm going to, I'm actually going to help you write a book, man. Your story is unbelievable. I love it. Um, I mean, you, you got so much wisdom to share for to, us coaches. I'm uh, put my first book on, on my website for sale. So uh, I'm glad you <laughs> said that. It's called Ford's Glory. Uh, and I'm going to – we're going to 
make it public probably in the next week. So be looking for that. I will. And I tell you what, what's interesting is, and God does have a plan. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And I can kind of tell you this, this, you know, just to your voice, you're kind of, he's given you maybe some unanswered prayers in your life. I mean, it seemed like, are you seeking out answers? Uh, tell me, cause it's, it's amazing how people have shown up in your life to help you. It's almost like, I mean, what's your, what, what's your beliefs in that? I mean, it's, it, it's, it's God's plan. Is that I'm right? You, I mean, it says, um, cause you've had some amazing I mean, things happen. Heard Steve Harvey's testimony. Google Steve, Har- dude, Google Steve Harvey's testimony. Steve Harvey was homeless living out of a car, catching fish out of any pond he could find on the side of the road. And then, he asked God, he says, you have not because you asked not. And God changed his life and the, the stories. Of, and like, I, I'm just another, like, I know one thing works. Like you seek God. It says, when you take, you know, if you seek me, you'll find me. You take it. It says, you draw an eye to me. I draw an eye to you. If you go with all your heart and this level, you know, applying his principles and stuff. And then how do you do that? Well, Jesus did not do one miracle. Till age 30, it says in the New Testament, whenever the Holy Spirit came on him after being baptized. So how are we expected to do a miracle without the power of the Holy Spirit if Jesus didn't? Like, but he says we'll do greater things than he's, he even did. Like, come on. Why are we not walking in that empowerment? How do you not teach your players? Like, here's a word for you. It says the meek will inherit the earth. It's a principle. Well, I, I always thought meek was soft, timid weak like who wants to be meek um but that word just was given a different meaning when it comes to uh, america and american slang and the actual biblical term means power under control i'm like wait a second now this enlightened me because i heard this in an fca thing back when i was at john brown and i'm like we're supposed to be the i mean if we got we got the holy spirit in us we're supposed to be power under control now if you're timid it says it's a sin if you lose you lose your thing and you become angry it's a sin but if you can own that line and that that's what we should look like jesus you think he was soft like he said whenever they laughed at him when he was at jairus's house to raise his daughter they laughed at him he said get out and he it says the insinuation that he he helped physically remove them kind of like he did in the temple and then when he drew that line in the sand when they were going to stone that prostitute and they, those guys were looking at him. I don't think he was sitting there smiling like uh, scared. I think he was drawing a line in the sand, be like anybody that doesn't have a sin. And I think he's drawing their sins in the sand as they go one at a time, like, oh, my gosh. You know, we, we're supposed to be strong. That's what somebody wants to look like. We're supposed to be courageous. That's what, that's what a, a non-Christian would want to be attracted to. We're supposed to be living a, an exciting life. You know, church should not be boring. Church should be going to Africa. It should be going into um, – you know, and it is. It's going into um, uh, places that nobody wants to go and letting God's love, you know, be seen. We, we as a team started the year this year, the Dominican Republic, with Indiana Wesleyan, number one and two in the country at the end of the year. We started at dig, digging ditches mm-hmm. for mission, on a mission work and going into a place called the Hole and feeding kids that's a dump, and that's where their houses are. And God rewards that every time. Tim Tebow, we went to Tim Tebow's Night to Shine, his special needs prom. Like, that's the funnest night. That was better than a championship. I mean, 
you can love every day and not and, and not share all of God's love. Yet you can hate, you could be selfish, and you could just be unhappy, and 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 you can live that lie the rest of your life, thinking I'm not successful because I'm not a college coach. I could be more happy, honestly, coaching seventh grade girls basketball right now, probably, and knowing I'm touching lives and 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 just loving coaching. And it's a game, you know. We're so blessed. I, I know what work is. It's pushing a wheelbarrow at 5 a.m. and it's hot or cold. <laughs> it's it's not coaching. Right. I promise you. Yeah, and, and coach, I know I know you were busy, and I I only ha- I have a couple more oh, questions for you on that. Cause I, I I know I know you're I know you're busy. Your your message so far is unbelievable. I know you you helped me kind of look beyond kind of beyond myself, uh, and I I appreciate that because sometimes in coaching, uh, the one term that you use, and I read your one blog. I read a couple. I read a couple of your blogs, man, and I, I love it. Um, what really matters? And, and I love that because after a season, we're constantly looking at, you know, what can I have done better? We, we lost the state tournament game. Um, we have a small charter school. Yeah. Where I coach girls basketball. Yeah. And um, we have gone from three wins to 17 wins in three years with really, you know, just this average type mm-hmm. kids, average type players, but great hearts. The kids play so hard. And um, I was so frustrated after our state tournament loss, saying, what could I have done more? Mm-hmm. And that, that article <laughs> really sent a message to me like, it's not about me. It's about, it, it, you mentioned about being, it. we're all part of it, yeah. but there should be no blame. That's just the way it worked out and what really matters, right? I mean, what it's not that important. No, <laughs> right? it's not. I mean, I've got five rings that sit in my drawer and collect dust. And I thought they were going to be, you know, like the secret to success and joy. I, fame, that doesn't work. Money, what does that buy you? Most people with money end up, and I, not, not everybody, a lot of people, you know, use it uh, and, and do amazing things with it. And, it, and it's, it's, not a, it's not a negative. But many people who have money and fame, you can go to a lot of the pro athletes that don't have happiness and joy and their wives are jacked up. And, you know, Pistol Pete's one of my favorite stories. Like, if you ever heard his testimony, he had everything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. was the joy that just, it's not, you know, happiness comes and goes, joy never leaves. It's pure joy. Even in the worst adversity, it's there. You win. You can't, God, I actually say things backwards a lot. I stuttered a lot. I still stutter on occasion. So I can't believe God puts me sometimes in speaking situations. But I'm like, you know, God, I, I used to say stuff like uh, breath of bre- okay, a breath of fresh water. My wife was like, what? Because I meant to say a breath of fresh air, <laughs> but it came out water. And I'm like, what was that? So I, I was saying, you know, I meant to say I can't win for losing. And I, what came out was I can't lose for winning. And God was like, yep, that, that's what I do for you. You know, and I'm like, oh, my gosh man how could I ever like just have a second of like let myself get flustered or frustrated you know suicides are up depression is like the one of the biggest enemies of of Satan like coaches divorce and depression and feeling like they're failures they're getting fired you know for not winning a game whenever they got no talent and you know they got so much pressure on them and they're trying their best I know Um, and that that's going to be how they their life is based on like success no way 
no way like success you know that's that's um you you know living in a joyous life and showing god's love no matter how deep the valley or how high the mountaintop uh it's it's been a crazy journey and i've got you know an amazing family my wife is is amazing uh i've i've been you know had more favor than i i deserve if if i never won another game i've already you know god's maxed out anything i deserve but you know here's my thing that's not what the word says the word says you know like I, it's greater than I can imagine. And like I, as an overcomer, um, he's got greater things planned for me. And so I'm sitting there going like, we graduate eight seniors and three All-Americans. I could be scared to death right now because everybody, they don't even go to our games in the national tournament unless we get to the finals. The first time we made it, the whole town was there. Now it's like, oh, if you don't make the finals, we're not going. And I'm like, you know, they're going to have the same expectations and you're probably not going to reach them. The bandwagon people are coming and going, but the people who truly love you, they're there win or lose. And, you know, it's it, coaching is, a, is a, it's the most impacting profession. It's probably past being a, a pastor, even a youth pastor now in, in the United States, because, you know, it's, it's every Sunday, it's every Saturday, it's, it's third grade or three years old all the way, you know, through, you know, so, you know, I, my excitement and why I started Spirit Lake Coach, you, you know, you know the story because you heard, heard it on the other podcast with TJ and stuff, but um, I'm sitting there and uh, I have a coach call me. I did a Nike clinic one time. I mean, a long time ago. And I, I, I spoke about uh, my, my success and I put these Denver biblical principles that God gave me in and they, they mentioned the 10 principles, but they took them out of the, the paper. They handed out all these coaches. I didn't even know they were still doing, you know, putting including mine in the, in the book that they handed out. Um, so this coach called me randomly, a high school coach out of Colorado. And he says, um, Hey, um, I got this. And you mentioned these 10 principles. Um, could you send them to me? I'm like, I, I can't believe they're still handing those out, but yeah, I can send them to you. Where did, you know, where are you at? And he's like, Colorado. And I said, Hey, I went to, I played junior college in Colorado. And he said, oh, we're at Northeastern junior college. I said, Oh, so did I. I said, I graduated 89. He goes, Hey, my brother went in, 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 uh, 89. I was like, what? So who was his roommate? And uh, true, true story, I said, my, my, my roommate, you know, it was Swanee. And he goes, that was his roommate. I'm like, he, he moved into my bed? Like, what? So I started seeing guys' <laughs> fingerprints. And I was like, okay, we got to talk here, man. Um, I was happy to do the USA Basketball Under-19 thing at Colorado Springs that year. And I said, hey, I'm going to be coming up. But I was working point guard college. I was already gone, you know, more than I wanted to be for my family in the summer uh, working. I was taking my son with me, but stuff. But um he asked me he said hey would you come do like a two or three day clinic for me uh you know and i if i moved your flight back a couple days and i'm like my wife is gonna kill me um no i I, you know i I wanted to say no i mean it was trying to come out of my mouth and the guy was like say yes say yes say yes and i'm like yes you know he come and got me you know i'm sitting there hanging out with uh with Jim Beheim and Bob McKillop and, and Curry's winning his championship at Golden State. And I'm sitting there getting to set with him. He was at the game, the previous game. Now he's sitting there. We're talking, you know, about Steph and all this kind of stuff. And, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Like, you know, it was pretty cool. But at the same time, um, I'm like, I don't know how to say this. Um, there was a lot of language going on. There was a lot of drinking going on for some of the other coaches that were there. And I'm like, that's not all my cup of tea. You know, I carry a Bible when I coach. And, 
this wasn't all there, but we had some amazing players. And I, and I think just carrying my Bible, you know, I, I had a couple of them say something to me in, in regards to that. And some of those guys are in the NBA now doing incredibly great things. Um, you know, I, it was an amazing experience. But then I, a gentleman from a little small town who's a farmer who just coaches with a stipend picks me up in his farm truck and drives me two hours out to the country uh, and to his home and invites me in his home, welcomes me in his home. His son's a junior, and uh, the second night I'm there doing the camp, I stay up with him till probably 3 or 4 in the morning. And just, man, he was just awesome to talk to. Talked about God a lot. And, um, it was just a good time. Well, I come home. Everything went great, you know, and it was a fun time. I had probably more fun there than I'd had in a long time. Um, and he was always asking me for, like, hey, could you send me more stuff? You know, like any messages, you know, from, from like, like I said, the, the testimony of Steve Harvey or an interview between uh, – Kevin Durant and uh, the the pastor of um, um, the church there in Oklahoma City when he was there, um, like Craig Rochelle. Like, I mean, I, messages like that that will just impact, you know, because you're hearing somebody else's testimony. So I, uh, I said, yeah. So I was always sending him stuff. And uh, he started an FCA. He started a youth group. He was having, the, you know, a lot of the youth group come over his house and pray with them. And his son, uh, his senior year, they got a, they made a run all the way to the state tournament. And, an amazing thing. It was an awesome time. But uh, somebody complained about him praying with the kids too much. And uh, thus the superintendent fired him. Um, and he's like, I don't care. It's not my – you know, it's a little stipend anyway, Donnie. And I'm like, man, I got you fired. I'm sorry. You know, and he's like, no, it was the best time of my life. And, like, it's changed. Our, uh, so I'm like going – I feel bad, but I'm kind of like, okay, man. Well, he takes another job in the same district um, an hour and a half away because his daughter was a junior and his best friend uh, from high school coached the girls there. And he goes, man, I'm taking a leap of faith because we're going to have to buy a new home and move from our home and our church and everything. And we're going out here. But I believe God's, you know, saying do this. And I'll just help with the guys and volunteer. And uh, The first year he did that. Um, the second year, um, the coach that was the head coach, I think, uh, took another job and so he became the head coach and it's a true story the superintendent of the other school called the superintendent and said you better watch him to be praying with the kids and the superintendent said good because i'll be praying with them <laughs> <laughs> so i'm like what you know like so he's he's uh still financially you know struggling a little bit um because of the move and the cost of living and everything out there in that area is real expensive and um he asked me if I'll come back out now and do a clinic for him or, you know, a camp for him. And uh, I was like, yeah, I can't wait. You know, you bet. Um, he said, hey, before you come, my my, uh, my good friend, man, his wife, sadly and, and tragically um, had a, a heart um, uh, a disease her whole life she didn't know about. It, and she had had a heart attack about four years prior and had um, and had died. So since then, you know, he's raising his daughters. But he said, man, I, I don't know how he's going to handle the God stuff and I don't know how, you know, he's, he doesn't smile all the time. Um, so just, just understand. And I'm like, hell no, I understand completely, man. So went out and did a clinic for him, a camp. The second day, you know, we hit it off, man. It was great. Um, came home, didn't think anything of it, you know, and I, I was always sending him stuff. And, and I, 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 every morning I, I start with God and I'm looking for YouTube messages and I got certain, you know, patches I always search out and, and then every night I do that, man. And I want to go start my day and end my day with God. Um, so I, I get a lot of stuff that I feel like is worth sending out. And, and I ask God who to send it to. So um, I, I do that all the time. I've been doing that since I sent emails back in the day before I even had a cell phone, you know, to, to large groups. And um, so he, call, 
I'm I'm up, I'm back at school. Um, I'm sitting here like in my office, and uh, the professor in our business department takes our students uh, gets college credit for going to uh, different places. And one of the places he goes to is Israel. And he calls me and says, "Man, Donnie, you want to go to Israel?" One of the professors had to back out, and everything's paid except the flight. And I'm like, "Man." That's a bucket list. I want to go, but I, I got um, two cars in the shop and just not a good time financially with that because of the move and everything. And he's, Oh, I understand. I hung up the phone and I was like, golly God, that's, that's a, that's, that would be so cool. My wife calls and she's like kind of urgency. Come home. I'm like, what's wrong? And she's like, just come home. I'm like, everything. Okay. She goes, just come home. So I went home. I live a couple miles away and, um, she hands me this card and she says, who's Clint? And I'm like, Oh, that's my buddy. Um, out in Colorado, like I went to the camps for, and she's like, read the card. And I'm like, okay. So it says basically, um, you know, you spent a night with my son, which made a big impact. You came in and spent a, uh, a whole week with, with us and my best friend. And I saw his joy come back and, he goes, you know, like, you don't know this, but, uh, you know, like, we were struggling a little bit financially, too. And, um, I, you know, I, I, he basically comes out and says, like, God's blessed us big time. And I can't, it's miraculously. And he says, I, I'm supposed to bless you and your family. So I, I don't even know what to say. I, I'm not going to go into, you know, obviously how big a blessing, but it was a miracle. And we went to Israel. Um, which was amazing. I got five stones on my desk right now where I, I pulled them off the Valley of Allah where David killed Goliath. I picked them up and brought them back. And, um, <laughs> so I'm sitting there and I'm like, we're, we're, you know, I'm trying to like reach out to Clint saying like, I can't believe you would do this and help us and bless us like this. And, um, and he's like, I didn't, God did like, and he's like, what you don't know is Donnie. Like I moved out here to have a church. And like, what you sent me was our church. And I'm like, what? He goes like, here's the thing, Donnie, you're supposed to start a ministry. Like, what do you not do? What ministry would you start if money wasn't an issue and, and you know, time wasn't an issue? Like, what would you do for God? And I'm like, man, that's a scary question. Like, you always got an excuse, man. Money's an easy one. Time's another one, you know? And I'm like, it's kind of like this. I, like, start FCA. It doesn't pay you nothing. I don't have time to start FCA. Well, you want to win or not? And you're going to win like lives and souls and you know somehow that usually turns into wins uh for me but uh i you know i was blessed uh whenever that happened and, and i'm sitting there going like and he goes well here's the deal like you need to start a ministry and so i challenged him back i said well i will if you will and he said, so i said why don't you start a little church out there and so he's done that in october uh, he challenged me, and I started SLC3. I, I prayed about it that night. God put spirit-led coach in my spirit and said, you do what you did for him, for other coaches. And I'm like, I, I, how am I going to do this? It, you know, it's probably going to, like, maybe five people follow my blog. You know, like, how is this ever going to happen? He's like, you can't do nothing. Don't forget that. Like, just trust the Holy Spirit and trust me. And you know, God's done amazing things. I wouldn't be sitting here today talking to you, you know, if he, if he doesn't open doors and that, that nobody can open, you can't, you can't do anything special. Um, only he can. And so that's how this thing started. You know, I launched on uh, March 3rd, uh, a movement uh, called SLC three. And I had a three part series I did that led up to it. And it's all about the number three and, and God loves numbers. 
Um, the resurrection is all about the number three with, with uh, the resurrection coming up pretty soon here. I, I, I really suggest you go back and you read that three-part series um, and understand, like, the number three is a fingerprint of God. And we love it in basketball, but it's even more important uh, when it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ and his resurrection. And then I go to the last thing, uh, and it talks about becoming a three. And David had his mighty 30, but he also had his three. Jesus had his 12, and he also had his three, Peter, James, and John. And he called them Rock and the Sons of Thunder. They were dudes. Peter cut a dude's ear off for Jesus because they were not taking him. Jesus slapped it back on. But he said, you know, where did Peter get his name? Here's how Peter got his name. Um, and I, I like numbers. I'm, I'm an analytics guy and a statistics guy. And so I'm always sitting there figuring out numbers. And, you know, I, I know the Bible's a story and they added verses, numbers later for help to organize. But um, God never does anything without his fingerprints. I'm sitting there and I'm in the church and I'm like, 666, that's Satan's number, uh, his jersey number. So God, like, he goes, well, see if it's in the New Testament. So I'm like, I'm in church. You know, I'm not really listening at the time. It was like a baby dedication or something. I started skimming through my Bible. Is, is there a 666 or a 666 in Matthew? No. I get to John. I finally find one, 666. And it says, and they, they walked away from Jesus. But he had a huge following of disciples. He challenged them, and all but 12 walked away at that moment. And what a horrendous verse to be John 666. It just happened to be that verse, right? And I'm like, I'm just like, what? So then Jesus like, are you guys going to leave too? You know, the, the 12? And he's like, uh, you know, he asked Peter. Like, they're like, nowhere would I go? And he's like, well, who do you think I am, Peter? What's Peter say? You're the Messiah. And he's the first one. Simon, your name's Peter. You're going to be the rock my church is pounding on. You're going to be blessed. And like Peter was a jacked up dude. You know, he actually says he cursed. He cursed whenever he denied Christ. You know, how about James? James is the first one crucified for Christ. His brother John was the only one to make it to the cross. The rest of them turned chicken. And he made it to the cross. What was his reward? He's the only one not to get crucified. And Jesus said on the cross to his mother, you are now his mother. And now he's your son. And so he said, you're going to take care of my mom. How could he die? Josephus is a historian in the old, back, back in those time periods. And he's all over Israel and, and, and the history, side, history books. Josephus said they tried to boil him and, and poison him. They couldn't kill John. <laughs> they put him in the Patmos, island of Patmos in prison. He's sitting there. And, and, and Jesus shows up. It says in Revelation 1, like, and John falls on his face because once again, he introduced himself at another level of his glory. And John, even though he'd laid his head on his chest and heard his heartbeat, he was once again in awe of, you know, the glory of God. And so, like, why not become a three instead of just a 12 and make it to heaven? Yeah, but not live in power and, like, doing great things for him. When you can, it just says ask and seek. You know, so my challenge to coaches is, like, get out of your dadgum comfort zone and, and push. You tell your players to push. If every coach did that, the ripple effect would be unbelievable across this country. Um, you know, it happened once with uh, the promise keepers. Um, and I believe it's going to happen again. I really do. Um, so, you know, that's my story. and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> I love it, Donnie. 
ask and seek. I love that. Hey, I, I, I want you, um, <clears throat> God has led me to you. And it's also, what's funny is TJ has a very similar message. And so does, I've been trying to get a hold of Greg Tonegal. It's weird how that triangle, hey, hey, the three is having twins as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> oh man now how did they do how did they do in you the tournament funny? did they are well, they, they still in it? they they made it a couple rounds and got beat this year you know a crazy story okay like we played greg in uh my last year here before i went to sagu um so the next year we beat him in the lead eight and that was like his fifth straight year to get beat in the lead eight and so I, I didn't really know him that well i just knew of him you want to hear a crazy story it was between me and him for that job back uh, when we, when he got the job, um, my, my wife didn't want to go that far, but they hired the right guy. And, uh, so I, uh, I get a call from him and I took the Sagu job and he says, Donnie, well, you're division one, which is all going to be one division after next year, but you're division one. We're not going to play anymore. Um, can I come spend some time with you? And I'm like, what are you going to learn, man? Like you, you, you played for Homer drew. You guys are, you know, you, you're, you don't need to learn anything from me. And he goes, I just want to like, figure out like something here is like fearless you guys play without fear you guys just seem to have something you know and i'm like ah come on down man we'll talk god and have some fun he come down spent three days watched our off season workout and stuff and uh afterwards i'm like what'd you take man like i don't know what exactly he goes well we play a real motion and you know we used to run that at john brown you're more like just attack and free-flowing and like, but I can't believe the details. Like, I had no idea. Your guys miss a layup, they do push-ups. They don't catch a ball with two hands, two push. They do – they just hold themselves accountable. And, and you have these details, and he goes, that was great. I had no idea. You know, it flows so smoothly for a reason. But he goes, I was – I'm putting fear in my players. Like, the closer we get to postseason, the further we get, fear blocks more jump shots than any player. Fear takes away more dreams. It's mentioned 365 times, do not fear. You know what else it says, though? Moses, God come on the mountain, and everybody ran. And Moses is sitting there going like, it's just a fear of God. Like, it's a good thing. You're supposed to fear God, you know. And they're like, well, how does that work? Well, here's the thing. He, I heard it just like three days ago. That was my, my Devo in the morning God gave me. It says, to, uh, the fear of God, like, you should be terrified if anything comes between me and you. Never let, because Satan was built to worship God and lead worship in heaven in front of, and he let something come, pride come between him and God, because he gives everybody the choice. One third of the angels let something come between them and God. Adam and Eve decided to let something come in there, and, you know, they didn't endure. And so you're sitting there going, that's a whole other level of fear of God. That's a great thing. Never let something, you know, become 51 or just overcome you and your desire to chase God. And so, you know, Greg, he says, Coach, I'm going back and I'm going to take my team. They, they put a huge thing called fearless and they put it on the side of the wall with the whole wall yeah. in the locker rooms. His locker room is nicer than any other university. <laughs> it's a, a crazy, awesome situation. But he puts fearless on his wall. They studied it. They've won three of the last six national championships and haven't looked back. And so, you know, it's just biblical. Anybody can have them. John Wooden's been telling everybody forever, like, who, you know, like, do it and see what happens. And then if you follow the Spirit's leading and get empowered by the Holy Spirit, 
which some people are scared of for some reason. Like it's not in the Bible. Like it's something crazy or something. Like it's a ghost or I'm like, no, it's the three persons. It's, you know, God's sitting up there on the right throne. Jesus is at his right hand. And the agent that's here for us that Jesus said is going to send back and he has to go is the Holy Spirit. Like it is, it's power. It's, it's, it's what we should all be like living in and, and being a display of God's power through the Holy Spirit. So, yeah, it's, it's something that, you know, I don't understand why people are scared of it. So I, instead of like trying to make some website that said um, Christian coach, I'm like, nah, spirit led coach. I ain't, I don't pull punches. <laughs> I'm, I want the spirit with me just like he was with Jesus. And that's the only chance I got. And I think people that are failing over and over and over again, and why would they try the same daggone path? It says a little path over here is the one you got to take, not the main one. And it goes to the top of the mountain and it shows up and, and God does. I mean, I could tell you so many coaches look at, I mean, I, I, I said on my side, I, I, it's not, I try to like bring coaches out that, that are having success. And you look at Dabo Sweeney, like it's so cool to see, Hey, how he just gives God all the glory and tells them the same story. It's the same story going on at Tennessee right now. Rick Barnes, who got Lego at Texas and what he's doing with his team and, and how they're representing Christ. Patty Gasso in Oklahoma softball, Coastal Carolina, what they did, winning the national championships they never even been before, and what he was, what they, who they were following, their spirit-led, spirit-led spirit coach. So, you know, Tua, if you, if you want to see a, a person that showed up at the biggest stage of the biggest time, national championship gets put in and wins a national championship for Alabama, and they ask him, how'd you do it? He tried to tell them. Tim Tebow tried to tell him, he told him, shut up and, and get off your knee. So what happens? Ray Lewis. <laughs> nobody telling Ray Lewis to shut up. He's saying no weapon goes all the way to the championship. Steph Curry, Iguodala. Then you go into like some coach named Joe Kennedy out in Washington. This is wrong. He gets fired for taking a knee and praying. And like the <laughs> lawyer, the lawyer that represents yeah. Liberty Institute and him, and it's at the Supreme Court level right now. He's coming to speak at a, a, a Christian coaches clinic um, um, we're doing this summer called the, the SLC3 Coaching Experience at our place on July 19th through 21st. I'm fixing to get the information out on that pretty soon. And um, he's going to come speak. Yeah, I saw that. I saw he's going to yeah. come speak about uh, the rights of Christians in, in uh, the public and private setting. And so uh, if, if you're interested in coming and finding out about that, um, that, that stuff will be up pretty soon posted. And, the opportunity to come and experience God. The reason God told me to say experience is because he wants you to experience God like you haven't as a coach ever before. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I, I, I appreciate you sharing and uh, providing the message for not only me, but I have a lot of coaches like myself who listen to this. Um, and I really appreciate your testimony. I mean, it, I mean, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Um, but also, I want to get you on for another podcast to kind of add on Anytime. to Anytime. what you're doing. And really what, what – and because I know now, I know sometimes we can go, we can go long on these podcasts, but I'd love to get you on part two of the Donnie Boswick uh, story. I mean, and, and start saying, how can a high school coach apply your principles that you're talking about or God's yeah. principles – Along with basketball, because that's what yeah, you're saying, it right? It's not no, just basketball. Basketball is a, it's, it's a worship. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what, what God talents you with, use that gift to worship him. You know, I heard John Gray, which is one of the funniest and best speakers you'll ever hear. If you want to Google somebody, listen to somebody about God and, and just enjoy and have fun. Um, John Gray. And uh, he said, there's one thing God couldn't do. He couldn't worship himself. So he made everybody else and the rocks will cry out if you don't. And so he gives you the talent to worship him. And so that's what we do. We worship him on the court. Like, like uh, some people sing. I, I wish I could be a, uh, my second, my actual, if I couldn't do a coach, I'd want to be a worship leader at a church. I can't sing a lick. So I better hang on to this coaching job, <laughs> man. But that's, that's right. what it's all about, man. I would love to come back on sometime. And, and like I said, uh, I, I'm thankful for you to, to allow me this opportunity because I promise you, if I can do it, anybody can do it. Yeah, and I sure appreciate it again. And also, I run a Legends Clinic every year. I created this clinic from a friend who passed away from cancer. Cancer is one of the most evil, um, not evil, but it takes away a lot of people's lives. Uh, but um, I kind of started the clinic based on uh, based on him. He was a great mentor of mine, and it's been going on for three years. And I now we've gotten to the point where we have coaches from all over the country coming in and uh, I would love to give you an invitation. We run it in the fall okay. and actually the date I have now is September 28th. Um, but I, I would love to that invitation. Oh man, that'd be great, man. That'd be awesome. We have some, we have a lot of great high school coaches. Oh. Uh, we also have uh, some college coaches as well. We, we would love to have you share with us. You know, what you don't know is my second book that, uh, God had me write, and I mean, I didn't read a book before I wrote a book. That's crazy, okay? Um, I, I'm not, I wasn't an avid reader, and, and God said to write this book after the first championship, and I'm like, what? And so, you know, for his glory, it'll be out pretty in the next, in the next week or two on my site. But uh, the second one is called NED, No Evidence of Disease, and it's about how I believe God's going to use this movement to, uh, to defeat cancer. And uh, so I definitely want to talk to you more about this in the future. Yeah, thank you so much, Coach. Hey, how can how can our listeners get a hold of you? Yeah. I know I have all your information on my website, yeah. but uh, how can somebody get a hold of you? What what's your best contact information? It's as simple as spiritledcoach at gmail dot com. Um, just spiritledcoach at gmail dot com. Uh, email me anytime. Uh, I'll I'll respond as you know usually within a day. And uh, you know my website spiritledcoach dot com. Social media. Uh, the Twitter feed is, is uh, Spirit Lake Coach B. That's the only site that I couldn't get because it was already taken. But Spirit Lake Coach B um, is the tag there. But on Instagram and Facebook, uh, I've got – you can join uh, join both my Facebook site um, with Spirit Lake Coach or you can get on and follow us on Twitter as well. And like I said, reach out to me anytime, even if it's just to ask, ask me to pray for something. Uh, I promise you, I, I'm not somebody who just says I'll pray about something. I'll definitely take it to the Lord. Donnie, thank you so much. And um, I'm looking forward to continue our relationship. Okay. And, and please, I'll be on your website. Uh, I, I know I, I learned so much last night when I was when I was reading about it. So I, I know that I know it's in God's plan and so forth. I know with me to kind of keep in contact with you. Thank you so hey. much. I appreciate it. And um Again, man, it's first class for you coming on to our – I know you – I thought you were still playing. Yeah. I, uh, and for you to take the time out 
to talk to a small time coach like myself, um, it says a lot about how you know you're you're first class. So I appreciate I'm that. I'm gonna return some real fast. Ken Hayes, one of my one of my mentors, one of the best men you'll ever meet. Uh, he, he coached at ORU and TU and NSU. Uh, he told me this, Donnie. Never forget the big time is where you're at. Make the big time where you're at because God has you there for a reason right now. And so, no, every coach out there, if you're coaching the five year old team, if you're coaching the junior high team, or if you're coaching the NBA team, God's got you there for a reason. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a one message, man, I heard the other day, and I, I don't know the exact verse, but it says that God uh, it, it scattered his people. And it's like, it sounds like the, the disciples, uh, after Jesus died, they're, they're getting martyred and they're getting scattered. And you would think like, oh, man, they're, they're losing. But no, what it actually means, it's a farmer's term to being hand-planted exactly where God has you. To, to grow and, and be exactly where he wants you to do. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, how powerful is that? He hand-planted you right where you're at for right now. Look what you're doing. You got coaches. You got to – you got you're, you're, my, you're, you're my hero. You, you've already got a, a, a clinic where people are coming to from all over, and you, you're touching lives. So, man, keep doing what you're doing, Kevin. I, I'm, I'm just really, really encouraged by what you do. Donnie, thank you so much, and I, I appreciate your wisdom and um, – um, you got me Let's fired go. up, man. Let's go. God bless, man. <laughs> Let's do it. Thank you. What's up, everybody? It's Mike Cleansing from Head Start Basketball and the Hoop Heads Podcast. You're listening to the Championship Vision Podcast with Coach Kevin Furtado.